Hello everyone, this is Hovik Manucharyan. And I'm Aspet Bedrosyan. And today we are back with another episode of our Artsakh update with Geb Iskacem. Geb is with the ANC of Artsakh, he lives in Stepanakert, and we regularly have these discussions with him to cover the latest uh, updates and what's going on. As we're recording, it's September 2, which is the 32nd anniversary of the Proclamation of Independence of Artsakh, and also today is day 264 of the blockade of Artsakh, which was introduced on December 12, 2022. Hey Gev, how are you doing? Hey Gev, how's it going? Hey guys, good to be on. Same here. Yeah, yeah, and incidentally, we're recording this at 1 a.m. on September 2, so I want to congratulate you Gev and all of our listeners uh, on the Independence uh, Declaration of Artsakh in 1991. This year is the day to second anniversary. So first, I mean, there have been a lot of uh, changes. It seems like every time we, we talk every few weeks but now, but changes keep uh, accumulating. Um, so we have uh, the resignation of Araik Arutsunyan to talk about. We have a new head of the Russian peacekeepers we should probably cover. Today is September 2, so we can talk about uh, all the rallies that are going on. But let's begin with the most major, I guess, uh, some would say uh, shocking, but it has been essentially uh, reverberating in different uh, circles. Uh, you know, the, the, the news about R.I. Karasunyan's resignation, it went into effect September 1st, but on August, I guess, 30, 30th, he, went, he announced that, you know, he uh, has decided to uh, resign from his position and uh, uh, the new interim uh, president is David Ishanyan uh, who will serve uh, for a short while until uh, a new uh, president is elected by the parliament of Artsakh because of special procedures for um, uh, you know for emergency rule situations so uh, give wanted to get your take on what's going on uh, and specifically you know, how things came about uh, to, the re- to the eventual resignation and what can we expect in the coming weeks? So I think, look, there's been growing discontent against Tarutunyan, you can say, for the majority of this blockade, but one can also go further back into, you know, uh, post-war Artsakh. Um, his affiliations with Nikol Pashinyan, some of the statements that he's made, and then uh, you know, the dire situation that we're facing today with, you know, 260 plus days of a blockade here. Um, I think all of that accumulates into a, a strong, you know, sense of discontent. And uh, look, uh, when somebody is the president and then somebody that's worked within, you know, state ministries, uh, has worked within governance for years upon years, like uh, Harutunan has, uh, it, it's not as easy as people think to build up that strong sense of discontent because so many of your public workers, so many of the appointments uh, were made by Harutunyan himself. Uh, so I think that, you know, the population has reached that critical juncture um, and we saw that uh, accumulate into a protest, if you guys remember, about Three, four days ago here in Artsakh, there was a protest in front of the National Assembly calling for, uh, you know, an emergency meeting. And, and many speculate that, that is when Harutunyan decided uh, that he was going to resign. Um, and now we are where we are today. 
uh, give shortly before his resignation, there was another resignation, that of the state minister, or maybe a dismissal, I'm not sure. So the previous state minister, Gurgen Nersisian, uh, resigned and uh, or was dismissed, and Sanva Shaharamanyan was immediately appointed. Well, it seems like the appointment of Shaharamanyan was Ayak uh, Harishina's final act as president before his resignation. What can you tell us about Shaharamanyan? There are rumors that he is the favorite of the Azad Hayrenik uh, party to uh, become the next president. Uh, and uh, essentially, Azad Hayrenik, Arayi party, controls a majority in, in parliament. So it's very likely that they will elect whoever they want. Um, so what can you tell us about Samuel Sharamanyan and uh, how are things going to unfold in the coming weeks? So professionally, Sharamanyan's served mostly in the security sector here in Artsakh. He's been the head of the National Security Service here, the NSS, and he's also been the secretary of uh, the Security Council, uh, you know, fairly recently. Uh, so that's uh, where his background comes from. In terms of, you know, what we would expect from him, look, I, I don't see him being a, a, this, like, vocal, uh, outspoken type of president. Uh, he's kind of somebody that does things behind the scenes. And, you know, even with even within Artsakh, his name recognition isn't, you know, very high, much alone in the diaspora or in the international community. So I, I'm expecting him to work on things, but I, I would, you know, say that he's not going to come out and make some grandiose statements. We're not going to see him uh, speak as much as Haru Tunyan. Um, and in terms of, you know, what type of, uh, president would he be if uh, he is to get uh, elected which there's kind of a high chance because as you mentioned the ruling party c controls I believe about 18 of the 36 votes uh, within the Artsakh parliament um, I, I think we're going to have to judge him by, the, by his actions but I also think that you know the opposition moving forward the, the opposition within Artsakh is going to have a broader role Obviously, with the appointment of David Ishkhanian as the uh, president of the National Assembly, and on top of that, uh, with the resignation of Haru Tunyan, uh, I, I would expect to see a, a little bit more of a leveled playing field in terms of governance in Arsakh. Gev, do you expect Shahramanian to be an agent of change together with Ishkhanian as the um, head of the parliament? Yeah, I can't directly comment on, on Shahramanian because my familiarity with him and uh, most of the folks' familiarity with him is his previous history as uh, NSS director, which was also before the war, so it's, it's kind of difficult to judge, uh, you know, his actions during the war. Um, and recently he was uh, secretary of the Security Council. Look, um, what's most important in, in Artsakh moving forward is going to be how this quote-unquote negotiation process with Azerbaijan plays out. Uh, that is the one place where we have a certain sense of agency. There's a million things happening globally, geopolitically, where, you know, to be frank about it, like, it's not that much into the hands of the Artsakh government. Uh, mm. Especially, there's a lot in the hands of the Armenian government. There's a, a lot in, in terms of the geopolitical brokers here. The one thing that we can control as Artsakh Tiz, as the Artsakh government, is what happens moving forward in terms of things like the Agdam Road, in terms of things like negotiations with Azerbaijan. And I think 
that is going to those issues are going to be the litmus tests for us in judging what you know the governance moving forward is going to be like give yeah, speaking of geopolitics and also going back to Arai's uh, resignation i want to put a question to both of you maybe he really didn't want to resign right obviously for many months uh, it came to a point where uh, big names like ruben vartanian were even complaining on video that he had promised that he was going to resign but he wasn't resigning and he personally has a lot at stake as one of the richest people in artsakh for the past 20 years he personally has a lot at stake in artsakh so the question is who really wanted him gone was it Yerevan was it Moscow was it Aliyev I personally in a in a kind of an idealistic way would would like to think that the opposition made this happen but I'm sure that the geopolitics had its own big say in this yeah look I, I wouldn't say that Yerevan wanted him gone because you know regardless of the change no uh, if you guys remember before the war, Arai Karutunyan was the candidate that Nikol Pashinyan supported and endorsed wholeheartedly. And even after the war, yeah. when a civil contract won an election, one of the first images that we get is Arai Karutunyan at their offices congratulating Pashinyan. Uh, so, you know, whatever qualms they may have had in the last year or so, uh, I still don't, regardless of that, I still don't think Pashinyan was going to find any partner here that was going to be as strong of a one that, you know, uh, Harutunyan was. So there I can't say that it was Pashinyan. There, there's some, uh, you know, kind of rumors circulating that uh, it, it's something that Russia may have wanted. There's some rumors also circulating that, and, and I don't know how true these are, that Azerbaijan also wanted Harutunyan to resign. Um, what those entail and the validity of those things we're going to have to see as we move forward yeah definitely the armenian opposition wanted him to resign and he was nikol's favorite and for instance republican party of armenia who also have allies in Artsakh, for instance bako sahakian is very much allied with the republicans and uh, they the republican party of Armenia expressed happiness about uh the resignation and Shahramanian's appointment. Yeah, I mean, I think anything. I think anything else could be just guessing. We could say, you know, any number of outside forces, but we can just, you know, probably analyze based on the on whose interests. And for one thing, I can say that the Armenian opposition wanted uh, wanted Aray Karutsunyan gone, and Aray Karutsunyan is gone. I think that the uh, any any leader's ability to make decisions and be independent in Artsakh now is very much degraded, much more degraded than it was two years or two years ago. So, you know, what can we expect now? Can we expect change? It's very, it's going to be very bit difficult. One of the major issues discussed, which is what I want to talk about, is this uh, unblocking the Berzor Lachin Corridor, which the Azerbaijanis have been illegally uh, blockading and trying to show to the world that they are humanists and they're trying to supply Artsakh through uh, this uh, road in Ardam. And I believe that was one of the also major factors that played into the resignation because uh, many people were against that. Um, I don't know if Arayk was for it, but maybe Arayk wasn't just able to make that important decision uh, to reject it. And I know that for instance, David uh, Ishkanyan has firmly said that they have made a decision to reject 
uh, you know, aid from the tormentor to the Ardam road. What, what are your thoughts about this, Kev? Yeah, and then let me add one more thing to that. What's the downside of accepting some of that aid and throwing the drivers back out to their side and just uh, taking the trucks? And I'll just add also that the Russians have actually offered to drive yeah. in the aid from Ardam, but I think that it's a principled position that Artsakh hmm. authorities are currently taking, and I'll let Kev explain. Yeah, so in, in terms of opening the Ardam road itself for commercial use, for any type of use as a bridge between, you know, Artsakh and the Azerbaijani regime, that is a strong no on behalf of Artsakhs. It's a strong no on behalf of the Artsakh government. Uh, there has been a proposition, and this is through the mediation of the Russian peacekeepers, that they go pick up that aid. However, that road remains closed. Uh, the Russians stay as mediators and bring the you know supplies in. Uh, while I am opposed to both scenarios, um, the second one is not as harsh as uh, you know opening up the Lachin corridor. And I also don't know if the Azeris would go for the second one because they don't, they care very little about bringing aid into uh, Arsakh and they care mostly about, uh, you know, one, the integration process starting up through the opening of that road and uh, as a PR stunt for the international community. Um, I cannot say uh, how the situation will develop, but I would say keep an eye on it in the coming days. Give, um, the head of the Russian peacekeepers uh, was replaced again. Uh, you know, we, we know that it's a rotating position and apparently there was, you know, it's a six month term, but it seemed like there was a very quick change between Lentsov coming in and Lentsov going. First of all, we talked about it during the, this uh, series of podcasts, which means it can't be, uh, it can have been longer than six months or maybe it's close to that. So the new uh, head of the peacekeepers, uh, the fourth one, his name is, uh, I believe, Kulakov, uh, interestingly translates into fist. Uh, what are his credentials? Why the change now? Do you think this is motivated by any political calculations or it's just a regular rotation? You know, it's tough to say that it's a regular rotation because you would have, if it's, you know, just going through the motions, you would have expected Leto's term to be longer than it was. Uh, I, it, I believe it was even less than six months. And we've had, uh, while it is a rotating position, we've had people stay on for much, much longer than that. Leto's term is the shortest. So there, there might be something to say about that. Um, there's, you know, there's two factors here. Uh, one is the fact that before Leto, uh, the last guy, he was kind of relieved when, uh, people in Artsakh started, not, you know, there's this growing discontent about the fact that the Russian peacekeepers weren't doing much themselves in terms of the road being closed, in terms of access to food uh, and those things. And then, you know, uh, Letsov came and we actually, there was people here that were expecting a change from that. We actually saw the situation deteriorate. Uh, so the last two haven't been great. But the one thing I would say is how much decision-making power is in their hands. Uh, that is an answer that I do not have, and I don't think that's an answer many people in uh, Artsakh, including the government, have. Uh, so we have to see how it develops. But I would say, uh, 
I can't say what that reason is, but I would say it's highly unusual for a general to be termed out this quickly here. Yes, indeed. Okay, well, I want to jump to the next topic, which is September 2. As you know, in 1991, September 2, uh, Artsakh declared its independence. And uh, until 2020, it really was you know, independent. In many ways, it had uh, many functioning institutions and armed forces. And uh, we're now seeing forceful, humiliating degradation of that independence you know, to the point of star- people, keeping people starved in order to achieve political aims by Azerbaijan. Uh, sadly, maybe also even with the silent uh, you know, help uh, from Armenia. But we know that there are a lot of events around the world organized by the ARF, AYF, and other maybe even organizations to commemorate uh, the September 2 uh, date. Uh, what do you think is the importance of this commemoration? What message can you pass to our listeners about that? I think the times call for us to treat, uh, you know, this anniversary, this date, um, as more than just a date of commemoration, uh, as a day of action now. Uh, It has to transform into that because uh, I'm not one of those that believes that if we do nothing, Artsakh will remain independent. I think there is a strong chance. There There is a strong chance that all the forces on earth, including our enemies, uh, want to see Artsakh lose its independence. Um, and the only way that we maintain that uh, is through action, is through work. Uh, so, t- you know, today is about making sure that we put in the work, that we put in the requisite action to see a free and independent Artsakh. And I think uh, there are two things, you know, hindering us today uh, from that goal. One is a government in Armenia that strongly supports Artsakh, that strongly supports Artsakh's independence, uh, that is willing to uh, do what it takes to secure and safeguard not just the people of Artsakh, but our statehood as well. And and secondly, we need to be raising the type of global attention necessary to bring light to the people of Artsakh, uh, their plight, uh, and the horrors that they've been going through for the last 260 days. And I think that's what these protests aim to do, uh, to uh, kind of target those two points and to make sure that, you know, there is a 35th anniversary of Artsakh's independence and the 40th, and we celebrate those anniversaries in a free and independent Artsakh. Indeed. Um, And the only thing I would add to that is uh, my own calls for everyone to uh, make an effort to attend in Glendale, if you're listening to this from Glendale, there is an event at 7.30 p.m. on Artsakh Street on September 2. And Armenia is going to be at 6 p.m. on the at the Freedom Square. And before uh, closing, I would also like to send my condolences to the three to the three heroes who perished today because of the Azerbaijani shooting on the border of Armenia. Uh, it seems that Azerbaijan is intent on ever escalating uh, this conflict both with Armenia and uh, with Artsakh. Our respects to our heroes, and uh, thank you for joining us, Gev. Gev, thanks for joining us. Good to be on. We'll we'll talk soon.